You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 212, Neil Matthews and Accepting God's Acceptance. Put on your walking shoes. This one's a journey, my friends. I might be more. We'll see. Hey, friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins, as always. Thank you so much for being here. I truly and deeply appreciate that you've downloaded Halfway There. If you have a chance, if you like this episode, if Halfway There's ever meant anything to you, uh, would you share it with a friend? Would you just go out and maybe take take the link and text it to somebody and say, hey, listen to this great podcast or share it on social media. Tag me. I'd love that. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, wherever. Um, I would love to to hear what your thoughts are. Um, it'd be great if you just just share that. And of course, you can always go to halfwaytherepodcast.com to get show notes or a link to share as well and sign up for the mailing list so I can remind you that there's an episode out there every single Monday. That'd be great. Hey, today we have a really great conversation. He's become a friend. Um, I tell you what, friends, I've I've become very fond of saying podcasting is more about personal growth than about audience growth. And it's also about networking and the people that you meet. You meet some really amazing people. And today our guest is one of those people. He's the host of the Other People's Shoes podcast where he creates space to hear one another's perspectives. Um, what a great way to, to do that. I think maybe as a little shoe fetish too, I guess we can dig into that, but uh, he's a husband and a father and he's a podcaster. And like I said, a really great friend. He is Neil Matthews. Neil, welcome to halfway there. Eric, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. And what an introduction, by the way. That uh, that was a rock star welcome. Like I expected, like lights and a red carpet. So that was good. Oh, uh, very good. Well, hey, I've been doing this a few times. I don't know what episode it is. Two hundred and something. So, uh, probably I probably said at the beginning. I haven't I haven't scheduled it yet. So. Yeah, you're welcome. I think uh, I'm really glad to have you on the show. It's been fun just getting to know you over the last. I don't know however many months it's been. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We had you on. Uh, we got into your, what, Clark's? Is, is that what Clark's, we're talking about yeah. today? Or All right. You got into those? Today, I'm just barefoot. I'm not, it's summertime. I'm not wearing anything. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Uh, no, uh, it, you know, Eric, we had you on a while back and it, it's great. Uh, it's great to sit with you and to be, you know, part of your great podcast as well. It's a, it's an honor. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. Hey friends, if you you're in your app already, just go over and hit the search button and search for other people's shoes. I guarantee you, um, Neil's show will give you a different perspective. If you like stories, um, you're definitely going to like it. So, all right, well, Neil, why don't, uh, let's, I want to turn the focus back to you. And uh, I want to hear about your story. So first of all, tell us a little bit, I gave that kind of brief introduction about what you're doing with podcasting and all that, but tell us a little more about who you are and where God has you right now. So great question. Where does God have me right now? Um, I have a youth pastor background. I actually uh, got credentialed and, and licensed uh, through the Christian Missionary Alliance as a, as a associate oh, yeah. pastor and served in that role uh, for a while, uh, there was there was some some challenges there that maybe we'll get into. But um, but I've been in youth ministry for gosh, it seems like forever. I started at nineteen, and I'm forty now. And it was probably uh, about a year and a half ago I finally stepped away from youth ministry, kind of completely. Uh, my daughter uh, is thirteen, and and I thought it was time to 
let her have those moments in youth mm. group without dad there. And, uh, and so I kind of stepped away and, and in that stepping away, God really opened obviously the door to get into podcasting and, uh, and where I am now. So the role I serve in church currently, which I'm kind of excited about is I'm on the greeting team and the serving team. And so what that means is I literally pass out kind of our program or our flyer that uh, kind of highlights what we're doing as far as a ministry goes and um, sermon notes. Our, our pastor has kind of a fill in the blank kind of thing. And then um, I serve the communion. We do communion every Sunday at our church. And so oh, nice. I am part of that, that team that, that distributes the communion. And then recently, this is super recent, like within the last like couple of weeks, I have been asked to join the children's ministry. Ah. And that is a whole new ball game for me because, uh, you know, youth background, kids, kids, younger kids are a whole different uh, animal um, than, than youth kids are. And so, um, but I've gotten to bring in some podcasting element into the children's ministry. Like we did a, a little uh, kind of a tribute audio clip um, for our children's pastor. And so that was kind of fun to, to be a part of that and show the kids kind of how that, that was going and, and to get them to talk on a microphone. And they were just like in heaven. Like, oh my gosh. And of course I brought the roadcaster and the lights and all this other stuff. So there was some, some fanfare with that. So that's what I'm currently doing. So very cool. I love that. All that. So, okay. Um, yeah. So you're in your podcasting, of course, your, your show again is, uh, other people's shoes. So, um, I want to hear, we'll get, we'll come to that, but let's go back in time. So, um, you grew, didn't grow up. I know you live in Oregon now, but you didn't grow up there. Right. So t- t- where, right. where did you grow yeah. up? So I grew up in Southern California. Um, I spent from, I think like kindergarten, my mom would probably check me on this, but, uh, kindergarten, through fifth grade in California. And I, you know, I boogie boarded, I tried to surf. Um, I played roller hockey, um, you know, went to baseball games, was a huge, you know, baseball fan, giant fan growing up. That's too bad. It's okay. I know. I know. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. What's this right here? Our our friends can't see it, but it's a St. Louis Cardinals ad. Yeah. (laughs) Go Cardinals. Although they all have COVID right now. So whatever. Well played. Well played. Um, but no, um, you know, I, I grew up um, going to a, a, a Baptist church, so I don't know what that means, but uh, <laughs> it could mean a lot of things. That's the hard part. I just, well, let me, so the table, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. All right, so the uh, yeah, growing up, kind of Southern California. I notice a lot of Southern Californians move north. Like they seem to yeah. go, they they move kind of progressively. I think Meg right. was from California as well. Moved, yeah, moved I think to Seattle. I want to say yes to that. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my dad was in the Marine Corps. That's why we moved north. Gotcha. Um, he got out of the Marine Corps in 92, 93, somewhere in there. And so we moved. And so here's the wacky part. Like I, I stopped going to fifth grade in June, right? Like when most schools get out. And two days later, I am on this 16-hour car ride to Coos Bay, Oregon, where my grandmother lived. And I never got a chance to say goodbye to my friends. I never got a chance to like kiss at that time, you know, girlfriend will air quote that. Right. I never got a chance <laughs> to say goodbye to any of these people. Like I'm never going to see him again because I was such a, I was such a bad, <laughs> I'm so, I was such a bad kid. And my parents were worried that my three older siblings would hurt me or perhaps tie me up or perhaps Joseph sell me into slavery. You know, who knows? <laughs> um, 
And so from that standpoint, I never got to say goodbye to anybody. So from, so I start sixth grade in Oregon, you know, when everyone has their friends already, everybody's established, you know, it's the last year of elementary school, you know, you already have your friends and it was rough, rough. I said, dude, like every other word, um, <laughs> I you know, came to school with my overalls on, you know, unhooked and dangling. Cause that was the thing in California and found out real quick. That was not the thing in Oregon. And yeah, so it was a tough transition. Wow. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you find yourself displaced all of a sudden. What was the, yeah. what was the spiritual, um, climate like in your family? Was it a Christian family or? So, Yeah. Well, let me restate that. So my mom directed uh, a child care center my whole growing up life in a church setting of some sort, whether it be a Baptist church. I think at one point she moved to a Catholic church. Um, she was always directing a daycare center of some sort in a church kind of environment. And so we went to church every Sunday. We went to Awana, you know, back in the day. Um, my dad would go when he was home, um, did we have like family Bible studies? No. Did we pray at the table together? Rarely Thanksgiving, maybe. Um, but I would say God was present in my home, but wasn't the focal point, if that makes sense. Yeah. How, so how did that affect you? Like, it's just sort of a peripheral thing. Not really, not really your. Yeah. You know, focus. So, how, how did that affect me? I think, I think it affected me a lot because I would see families from church. Right. And I was always like, well, are they having like devotions? Are they having like prayers at, at dinner time and breakfast and whatnot? Um, I was always curious if how everyone else was living, I guess is a good way to, to yeah. say that. And, and not, you know, trying to reconcile that with, with how my life was and how my family was in comparison to how someone else's was. If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Okay. So you, you and I have a lot in common in the sense that uh, we're both fours on the Enneagram. Right. And so we <laughs> kind of have are. that. So I, I did that too. Like, you know, my, my family was very, um, we were very involved in church. Church was a big deal. Like we were there at least twice a week, um, if not more. And then it was very, um, and yet, you know, home life was chaos, right? It was, it could be very, very crazy. And I, I had that same question, right? Well, is what, how is everybody else living, right? Is this, is this really you kind of assume as a kid, right? It's normal. I mean, is this normal, right? I, yeah. I mean, I hate to throw that label on there, but yeah, is this normal? And, uh, you know, I was pretty good friends with our pastor's son um, growing up. In, in California, Carlsbad actually. So kind of in, in Marcus Watson's like backyard, oh, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so shout out to our good friend Marcus. But, um, but I remember, you know, playing with our pastor's son and, and playing, you know, Nintendo in those days and, and thinking, you know, his dad's different than my dad, you know, granted his dad's the pastor, right? So he's up front every Sunday, but you know, my dad's never home yeah. and, and in these days and, and he's always gone somewhere you know, the joy of a, a marine life, right? And so I always wondered, I just, I guess I always wondered how other people lived and and how it was so much different. It seems so much different than ours, so. Right, yeah, and you can never really know, right? Because there's- Right, of course. There's always a lot. Okay, so right. so you moved. How did faith, and I'm curious, if faith was sort of this peripheral thing for you as a kid, how did it become mm -hmm. uh, your thing? How did you come to Christ? 
Ooh, that's a good question. So I remember at nine, um, you know, Baptist church growing up, as I mentioned, um, going forward, uh, I had been in Awana. I knew the Bible pretty well, uh, learned to memorize at a young age. And um, I remember going forward on a Sunday and and basically confessing to my buddy's dad, you know, who was the pastor, as I mentioned, you know, I'd play with his son a lot. And uh, I remember confessing to his dad saying, you know, I need Jesus in my life. I'm a horrible, sinful person. And you know, he's like, well, you got to get baptized. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I think that happened like in August of 89, I want to say somewhere in there. Um, and so this is before and, uh, you moved? Yeah, this is before we moved. And so, um, so anyway, so I made this, you know, declaration of faith. And as I'm getting ready to get baptized, he said, well, how long can you hold your breath for? Like, <laughs> what? That's like, not what how that's supposed to go. I'm going to put you under. And he goes, I just want to know, like, you've done some really bad stuff. Like, I know about it. And, you know, <laughs> my wife has told me because his wife was like in charge of the children's church. He's like, he's like so how long can you hold your breath for? Because I got to hold you under for all those sins. And I'm like petrified as a kid. Like, oh, no. oh my God, like I'm going to drown to death, you know, before all this amazing stuff is going to happen in my life. So, so that's kind of fun. No, it's so not anyway, okay. What kind of <laughs> is that not okay? No one else got that speech. <laughs> Terrifies the children. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no one else got that speech. Okay. I was the only one. All right. Fair yeah. enough. So fast forward, like <laughs> I'm now in Oregon, right? And I meet this amazing woman and I'll, I'll name drop her. Uh, Mary is her name. And she is like this grandma figure in our church, Baptist church again. And she just loves me, you know, and, and, is such an encouragement. Like I had started playing the trumpet. And so she was like, always wanting me to play. And I had done some specials at church, probably like hot cross buns or Mary had a little lamb. Yeah. Oh, hot cross buns. I hate that song. Anyway, (laughs) sorry. Sorry to my children. If you ever listen to this like 10 years from now. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I fast forward to, we ended up leaving that church uh, in sixth grade and going to a different church. We church hopped a lot when we first moved to Oregon. We couldn't settle down. And so we finally settled down in this uh, Christian Missionary Alliance church uh, called Newby, or sorry, that's the church I'm at now. New Beginnings is, is the church I'm at now. But we settled down in this church called Medford Neighborhood Church. And little did I know when I first walked in those doors, you know, in seventh grade, that I would one day become a pastor there. And I would one day then leave that church that thought of obviously never entered my mind, but I remember growing up, you know, middle school was rough, really rough. Um, you know, coming off of sixth grade right into middle school, it was rough. Like I didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, I was struggling. I'm sure academically, cause I, I was just a terrible student. I'm, I'm sure I still had a terrible attitude. You know, I was angry. Um, I was mad that I never got to say goodbye to anybody. Um, and I took that out on people, you know, in hindsight. And um, I remember, this is probably where it's going to get a little dark for you, Eric. Um, I remember one night in particular, mm, going into my dad's room and he had a gun um, in his like, kind of like footlocker kind of thing. And I knew where it was. And I remember putting it in my mouth with full intention of pulling the trigger. Wow. And I remember my sister coming home unexpectedly. 
and she had just broken up with her boyfriend or the boyfriend had broken up with her. Anyway, there was a breakup and she was in tears and, you know, stormed through the house. And I was so scared. I'm like, Oh my gosh, somebody's home. And I put the gun back quickly. And, and I remember feeling just still alone, still, you know, isolated, still like, you know, searching for God in that moment. And, you know, then, uh, probably about six, eight months later, um, I was at a church camp and I had met this guy named Brian and that dude, like you talk about people in your life that come in and kind of create a ripple effect. Maybe you've had those. Yeah. Um, he was that for me. He handed me a cassette tape of DC talk. Three at last. <laughs> and we were studying why I don't know, but we were studying the whole book of revelation in a week. <laughs> which, oh, wow. I don't even know how that happens. So there's people that have probably not even finished it and they've been studying it for years. But anyway, um, but it was in that camp experience that I, that I had snuck into his, his bag when we were at a session, like a, like a rec session or something, I'd snuck away and snuck into his bag and I had seen he had a bunch of pills. I don't know what they were for, but I remember going to the bathroom and I remember ingesting a lot of them because I was so just done with life and he found me and, you know, obviously like scooped him out of my mouth. What was I thinking? And, you know, I obviously got sent home from camp, didn't get to finish out camp, which was sad, but I still had that tape and I played it probably till it probably warped, you know, Mm -hmm. because I wanted so much to be free at last from just this pain of, rejection, this pain of emptiness, this pain of, you know, whatever. And it wasn't until, you know, a couple of years later that I really truly found Jesus through, you know, at the time my youth pastor, his name, he comes into my life and his name is Scott. And Scott really loved me, you know, like that grandmother lady did when I first came to Oregon. She, he supported me he encouraged me. He gave me, you know, preaching opportunities, which, you know, I thought was pretty cool to be on a stage, you know, and that was obviously very intoxicating at a young age. And, and yeah, it was, um, it was through those series of like kind of little stone steps along the way that really kind of put me where I am now, I guess. Yeah. So what were you, looking for, I mean, obviously you were trying, you were looking for freedom, right? And you were, the only thing you could think of was how do I get freedom for myself? Right? Like, is that, was that it? True. True. No, true. For sure. Yeah. Because I, I looked at myself and I, I didn't like who I saw, you know, looking in the mirror. I really didn't like who I was. I didn't like, I didn't like the kid I was. I didn't, I, the truth be told, I just really struggled with everything. Like, I couldn't make friends. Uh, you know, I got made fun of a lot. I, I've struggled for a long time with dyslexia, still do. And so that kind of put a wedge between me and, and friends in school because they would make fun of me, you know, because I couldn't read or I couldn't spell right. Or, you know, the teacher would yeah. call on me. We had to read out loud and I would, you know, stumble over words. And It's such a know, different so, world today, like where, where that yeah. bullying is is really not accepted. I, I know it still happens, right. but... Um, but yeah, back then it was like, oh yeah, you're different. <laughs> right. And right. really no, tough. And I was part of it too. I mean, I remember yeah, sure. we all a kid, kid cried cause he, you know, he peed his pants in school, you know? So we were, right. 
I know. And now the yeah, well, name of Scott, you know, what do you do with Scott? Well, Scotty potty. I mean, that's just, an easy one, <laughs> well, so. and now once you have kids, you're like mortified, oh, right? Gosh. That you do that stuff. Oh gosh. Yeah. Cause you know I, how I, damaging it can be. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's what kind of put me on that dark path of, of just rejection after rejection, after mm. rejection, after rejection. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Okay. So when you did find Christ, like, tell me that, tell me that story. Like what, what actually. Yeah, so I was at uh, it's a little happier story. <laughs> so I was, at a, I was at a church camp. Um, and I was, uh, I was probably about 15 when I really, I think really found Jesus. Um, I was, well, actually no, check that. I was 16. So 15, 16, somewhere in there. I, I had gone to a church camp. Uh, most of my, you know, growing up time. And uh, the speaker says to us, he goes, uh, well, how many of you in here have a girlfriend? Of course, everyone raises their hand, right? <laughs> everyone. And it's just guys, by the way, let me set, okay. this, let's, uh, set the scene. So it's just guys, guy session. And he goes, how many of you have kissed your girlfriend? And of course, everyone's hands up. And I'm looking at like the nerd kid that we all made fun of, which again, I probably shouldn't be making fun of people because <laughs> people have made fun of me. I should know how that feels, but empathy was not high on my list back then. And he raises his hand. I'm like, yeah, sure, dude. He's talking about girls, not your mom, not your sister. He's talking about like straight up girls. Anyway. So he raises his hand. So then he's like, how many of you hugged? And he like progressively gets more and more and more down this road. And then he finally is like, how many of you have had sex with your girlfriend? Oh, wow. why, why is he asking this first of all? But okay. Yeah, I have so many yeah. questions about this issue. Nobody's but go ahead. hand is up. Nobody's hand is up. And I'm like, okay you know, no one's hands up. And then he goes, do you realize that if you've done any of those stuff with the girls that we've just mentioned, you've most likely done it with someone's wife. Oh, okay. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Interesting point. So in that I had to really reconcile because I had been pretty physical with at the time, my girlfriend. Um, and I really had to reconcile that. And to the point where, one of the last nights we were at camp, they did this whole like cross thing and you like, you pin stuff to the cross. I mean, this is like classic, like Christian, you know, camp, right? You, right. Know, you pin it to the cross and it's there and you leave it there. You know I mean? It's a great thing. I've done that a time or two myself as a leader, but I say that because it was in that moment, the worship leader started singing uh, Psalm. I think it's Psalm 5110 created me a clean heart. Mm-hmm. Renew a right said spirit within me. Like I broke down crying because I was like, God, I want you for once and for all to be my all in all. I want you to create this right spirit within me because I'm tired of, of running from you. I'm tired of hiding from you. And in that moment, you know, that's when I really discovered that, you know, he really was always there. I just ignored him kind of like a cell phone call. I'm like, nah, not going to talk to him right now. Nope. Not going to text him back. Nope. I'm going to ignore that Facebook notification from him, whatever. And so uh, it was in that moment, I really discovered that he had been there all along and I just had, had ignored him. So, wow. Okay. So you, you, uh, it sounds like give your life to Christ. What changed for you? Well, I want to say everything, right? It was in that moment, everything changed. Like I, I became this on fire Christian and I did in a lot of respects. I had gone back to school. 
because I think this was like over the summer. I had broken up with my girlfriend at the time that I was, you know, doing some bad stuff with. And I said, okay, God, no one, I'm not going to take anyone else, God, until you send somebody my way. And, uh, you know, that lasted about a month. <laughs> and then I ended up dating another girl and dating another girl. And, but I was really good. Like we'd only like hug and we'd only kiss and, you know, we'd only do like, you know, okay stuff, I guess you could say. So and then I'm hearing your definition of righteousness is uh, behavior <laughs> right there. That's yeah, what I'm hearing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, probably so. But then something amazing happened. I got really sick one day, like really sick. Like I probably shouldn't have been at school sick. And I was laying on this like floor of our English class. And this is, uh, <clears throat> this is around my junior year of high school. And, uh, and this girl came by who I, you know, I kind of noticed, kind of flirted with a few times, but you know, I was with somebody at the time, every time we'd flirt and she put her hand on, on my back and she said, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm okay. And my friend who was sitting next to me, she goes, do you know who that is? I was like, yeah, I do. And I said, I'm going to marry her one day. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, I ended up how I met my wife. But, but back to the faith part of it is I think in meeting my wife and starting to date my wife, I rediscovered my love with Jesus at the same time, because my wife was so spiritual when we met, like she kept a journal, she did devotions, She, you know, she had all this stuff. And I'm like thinking, I got to go be that guy that I know I need to be. And I got to walk into this new relationship with a godly perspective and godly eyes and be that, you know, shepherd to her. And, you know, in that, um, I think God really kind of brought us together in a sense to, to really be this kind of spiritual power couple in a sense. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what changed from that church camp experience. Yeah. Well, that's, that's real interesting. So it was your wife, your high school sweetheart. She is. Yeah. That's very cool. We also have that in common, by the way. Years this month. How many? 19 years. 19 years. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Um, all right. So, so it sounds like that was really when you gave your life to Christ. You ended up in ministry though. Was it how, what was your discipleship? So it sounds like you probably started working with youth. When, like when, when was that? How'd that go? Well, yeah. So that's kind of a crazy story. So, um, my junior and senior year, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the leadership team and youth group. Um, we called them, uh, fast. We were faithful, available servants and teachable. So that was what our youth leader had come up with for us. And there was like, I don't know, five of us that were on this team together and we were planning youth events. We were basically running the youth group. I would do, you know, youth group lessons. I would teach on Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, you know, whatever. And then every fifth Sunday in our church, we had youth Sunday. And so I would preach on youth Sunday, you know, a little sermonette. And so I was leading, kind of leading the youth group, right? Well, then February comes of my senior year of high school and we're having this big Valentine's event. It's, it's the biggest fundraiser we do all year. It's a couple's night. You know, we do photography. We, you know, bring in music. We do this, you know, four course meal. It was just fabulous. And the church always received it. And we just made tons of money fundraising. Right. So I'm upstairs um, in our church one night and trying to find my youth leader, Scott, the gentleman I mentioned. And, uh, he was in the youth room and I said, Hey man, I, I need you to come downstairs. It's, you know, it's time for you to sing this, you know, love song that you were going to sing. And he had planned to sing it. And he said, uh, Neil, I need to tell you something. And I said, yeah, absolutely. But you need to go down and sing. Like, it's time for us to like, come on, let's go. 
because I'm in charge of this event, like all this time preparing, like I was the guy he was handing stuff off to. I was the guy he was delegating stuff to. I was the guy making stuff happen and he was not involved in any way. And so, um, he tells me he's leaving. He's quitting. Not only is he quitting, but he's leaving his wife. Oh no. Come to find out later, he has not only left his, his wife, but he has left his wife for someone that I know personally that I graduated with. We'll just leave that there. Oh yeah. That's not a good situation. Yeah. The church comes to me at 19 after I graduate and was like, Hey, we've seen all this stuff you've done for the youth group. Why don't you just get us through the summer? And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. They're like, we'll train you. We'll, we'll equip you. We'll, we'll get you ready. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go. So, you know, here I am running a youth program at 19 years old, not even married. Like I'm not even engaged and I'm running this youth program. So then when the fall comes, um, they say, Hey, we're going to get you trained. We're going to send you some, to some conferences. We're going to put people around you. I had four mentors. Yeah. Four (laughs) that constantly checked in with me, which was great. You know, I had one for ministry, one for personal, one for pastoral, one for, I mean, it just like one for financial. I mean, I like all this stuff. It was crazy. I was going to church board meetings. I was, you know, I, I was the intern in ministry. They gave me a new title. Um, you know, I was not only the intern in ministry, but I was the youth director, not pastor, youth director for yeah. senior high ministry. You know, I mean, I just, I got like this baptism, not in a good yeah. way, but this baptism deepened experience of thrown into ministry at 19. And it was like, okay, go figure it out. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Wait, like, I have no idea. Wait, I got to ask you this. Did you want that? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, desperately. Yes. But for the wrong reasons. Okay. Well, elaborate on that. Yes. So the wrong reasons were Neil loved the attention. And I know I'm going third person. I'm not trying to be like, but, but I really love the attention. Yeah. I love the fact that I was in charge. I love the fact that I told people what to do. Eric, just to give you some perspective, I should have been a youth event. We're leaving for the church camp that I had gone to all those years and, you know, the, the nail on the, the prayer request to the, to the cross that church camp event was still going on when I was leading. Right. So of course I took my kids to that, my youth kids to that. And so now I'm not only a camp, you know, I used to be a camper. Now I'm a counselor and and the, the adult counselors who'd been there for years are like, finally, we got their biggest, you know, supporter uh, is now on our team. <laughs> their biggest, uh, you know, uh, antagonist is now with us. You know, this is great. We, we got their, we got their leader basically is now one of us anyway. So I say all that because I showed up to this church camp event. We were getting ready to leave. And we told the kids to be there at like, I don't know, 12 o'clock or whatever it was. Well, I roll into there at 1230. So everyone literally has been sitting around for a half an hour waiting for who? (sighs) And I remember jumping out of my car, blaring probably Top Gun because I just was really into Top Gun, probably Danger Zone or something like that. And I jump out of my car and one of the parents comes over to me and goes, she goes, we've been waiting here for a half an hour. Where are you? And I said, oh, you don't realize this, but time revolves around me. I say when we leave, I wow. say when we go. Did you really say that? Like verbatim? I swear to you on, on heaven's, you know, <laughs> I shouldn't swear under heaven, but, but I promise you, I did say that. That is a true statement because it has haunted me forever. She works at Costco and I run into her every now and then. She goes, there's <laughs> time revolve around now. I still tease me about that from time to time. But. You're like trying to check out and she's like, I'm going to take my sweet time. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
It could be why I hate Costco, but no, I'm teasing. She's a great lady. But I say that because that just gives you some perspective of where I was. That's why I make that statement. Yeah. And it's a true statement, but it also tells you where my mind frame was. Like yeah. I was so into myself. Man, dude. Okay. So I, I'm hearing a couple things and you feel free yeah, to correct please. me, but I, th- I am so disturbed having spent a really long time getting an education uh, to be a pastor and then not ever becoming one. Uh, how people actually get into ministry, right? Like, and how the requirement is, it sounds like in your case, being available, right? Not even like, Hey, you have some wisdom and you have some leadership and, and I had leadership, I would say maybe, but yeah, right. But, but also, or also even just spiritual maturity. Like, so I value our church just hired somebody and I told everybody that I knew on the search committee, that's like, look for spiritual maturity. Like the most important thing, I don't even care. I don't care if they're 55. I don't care if they're, you know, 35, but look for spiritual maturity. They have to have suffered at some point. And the reality is in many of our churches, because we're just trying to run a program. Sorry, I'm going off here, but we, we look for the people who are available, you know? So if you're, if you're willing, you're called, right? That is, is not okay with me. It's not how the church should be running. And it sort of agree, might be a no, soapbox I, for me. I no, don't mean a, to use your, your story as a, as a no, <laughs> jump from here, here's the wacky part, right? So I don't get credentialed. So this is 99, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like 99 fall of 99. So I don't get credentialed until. Oh, six, somewhere in there. Oh, six. Okay. So that process. So I, uh, you know, I, I go through, you know, all this stuff and, and get married in 01 and which is awesome. And then I'm like, Hey, now that I'm married, I want to go be a pastor. And they're like, cool. You know, I tried to go to Simpson Bible college, which is in Reading. And, you know, that didn't work out cause I wasn't going to move. And, you know, here I am newly married. We just bought in a house and, you know, all this other stuff. So I couldn't move. So meanwhile, the Alliance, the Christian Missionary Alliance has created what's called um, the leadership, something like leadership Academy, Christian leadership Academy. Um, And so it's a three-year track to get you credentialed, right? Well, three years. Yeah, that's a while. (laughs) I took four because I couldn't get past the schooling. So going back to the board meeting, every month I would have to report on where I was in my schooling process because the church is paying for it, by the way. All I paid for was books, That's which, good. you know, yeah. it's not a fair deal. I mean, let me restate that. It, it was a very fair deal. All I had to pay for was books. They paid for the class. Then, you know, I had to do the class, right? So it's a college level type correspondent class. So I would do the work and then I would send it back to Colorado. They would evaluate it and grade it and send it back to me. So that's how I that was going. So year one, I'm floundering. Like I'm not a good student trying to read books, not happening. So all of a sudden this lady comes to me after one of the board meetings and her name's Debbie. She's a very sweet lady. She's become our godmother. She says to me, and I don't know her. She said, you don't remember me, but you came to my mother's funeral. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. And she said, you said this really amazing thing to me. I'm like, what did I say? That was so amazing. She goes, it moved me. And she still to this day can't tell me what I said. Wow. She teases me about that because it was so great. I have no <laughs> idea what I said, but I must've said something amazing because then she says to me, I want to help you get through school. God has laid it on my heart to help you. I have a degree in English wow. and I will help you. 
And I was like, okay, what do you have in mind? And she said, we'll meet three days a week and I'll read the books to you. And then you dictate to me the papers and I will type them up. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Wow. So she helped you with your dyslexia. Yeah. Yeah. She came in and filled that gap for me. Right. And so literally we would meet three days a week and she would, she would read the books to me and then I would, you know, I had to journal. Right. So they knew that you read the book. And so I would journal and she would type while I would basically dictate wow. the journal to her. Okay. Yeah. So I got to say, I got to say this cause I feel a little bad about my little diatribe there a second ago, <laughs> because I mean, you're, you actually were in a pretty good situation. I mean, you got swept up into yeah. this, but they actually did take care of you and say, Hey, we know you need to they be did. discipled in some they certain did. ways. Mm-hmm. And, and so they did that, but so, which they, is they really did. good. No, they did. They, they did right by me. Um, they have always done right by me. Um, when I tell the next part, you'll, you'll understand this why. And so, you know, I get credentialed. The very first act as a pastor is I get to, uh, I did get to do a baby dedication with my daughter. Oh, wow. Cool. That's the very first act I get to do as a pastor. And so you would think everything is just lining up. The stars are just, you know, all coming into alignment and everything like that. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, I come off of an Easter week and it's just been one thing after another. And, you know, those who have been around churches a long time know, I mean, that's the biggest day of the year, really. It's the Super Bowl of Super Bowls. It's the World Series, right? It's the World Cup, whatever major event you want to put on it. That's what Easter is at a, at a church staff level. And I, uh, you know, I fell back into some old habits and I started down a path of, of looking at pornography that I was not, um, you know, I had broken away from, but it had come back in my life and I'd welcomed it back in. And, you know, there's a long series of events that go into all that. I, I don't want to go into too much of that, but I will say this, that I ended up losing my job as a pastor because of it. I go to the church and I confess to them, the same church that I'm on staff with. I confess to the senior pastor that I'd wow. been doing this and, and, um, and I end up losing my job over it. They asked me to resign and I, I gave it willingly. But what happened in that next series of events over the next probably 10 years is it created a giant divide between not only that church, but that senior pastor and I to the point where we were, I would say, very adversarial to each other and a lot of heartache, a lot of heartbreak. I ended up going back multiple times through those years, uh, just different circumstances, whether it be a, a wedding or a funeral or a you know different church event or a special event. And he was always very cold to me and, uh, and it was really hard. And then when we fast forward now, the new church that I'm at now, we had a change in youth leadership, as I mentioned, kind of at the onset of our conversation. I ended up reading this book, actually listened to this book called You Lost Me, and it's put out by the Barner Group. And that book changed truly my trajectory because I started to realize that there were so many kids that had been lost and I had to own that. I had to own that in those early years of ministry that I didn't know really what I was doing. I didn't know how to disciple kids. And I had to reconcile that with my, not only myself, but with God and say, God, did I somehow fail you in the church? And here I am in this kind of dark place again that I was when I was in middle school. And 
not to the point of suicide by any means, but, but I was really mad at myself that I had let so many kids get through my hands and through the grass that I didn't share the love of Jesus with. And so then I start this podcast and I'm kind of finishing up my first season and uh, I'm finishing this book even kind of coincidentally as I'm finishing up my first season of podcasting. And a, a friend of mine has come along now on board with the the show. His name's Garrett and he's, we jokingly and, and rightly so, we call him our executive producer. And Garrett says, what do you want to do for next season? Have you thought about it? And I said, yeah, I think I'm going to do something about people leaving the church and, and really stealing from this Barna group, this idea of you lost me. And so we started down this road of, you know, kids who had left, you know, talking about their story and getting into their shoes of, of how they left the church. And then at the end, I'm like, well, how do I wrap this up? How do I put a bow on this season to be like, okay, we're kind of now transitioning into another season, but how do I do that? And Garrett says to me, he goes, I think you need to go back and talk to your old pastor. His name's Lee. And I said, no, that's might be the dumbest idea you've ever come up with, Garrett. That is the dumbest idea. No, I'm not going to do that. And, uh, and Garrett says, no, I, I really think you should pray about it and ask God what you should do. And I said, okay, fine. So I did. I prayed. I even fasted over the decision, believe it or not. And uh, I called him up one day. Had to get his number from somebody else because I didn't have it anymore because I was done. I was never going to go back down to that conversation. When you delete a contact out of your phone, by the way, that is a huge step. Let yeah. that be just a cautionary tale for those that may be listening. Okay. I did. Yeah. I, I had deleted him from my phone. And so I, anyway, I got, a got his number from a friend of mine and uh, called him, left him a message. It's just something to the effect of, Hey Lee, you know, it's Neil, you know, I've been reading this book and reflecting on our time together. And, and I just want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did to you. I'm sorry for what I did to the church. I would like to meet with you if you would be willing just to talk let me know. And like two, three days go by and he calls me and I'm driving home and I'm like, Oh, I recognize the numbers that pops up on my, you know, caller ID. His name's not in there yet, but it, you know, the number pops up and I immediately take this deep breath. Like, Oh God, what now? What's he going to say? And he says, I would love to meet with you. When can we do it? And then he's like sobbing in between his, you know, talking that that voicemail moved him. So we ended up meeting, we go to lunch together. And then I tell him about what I'm doing now, you know, with the podcast and the church and everything else. And I said, would you consider coming on and talking about, you know, our relationship? And he said, yeah. And we did an episode together. It ended our season of You Lost Me. It's our season finale. It's actually the fourth at this moment, fourth most downloaded show we've had. And to me, it is still one of my favorites because of what happened in that episode. So a little tease on that. But yeah, that's kind of uh, kind of my story all, all in a nutshell, probably more than a nutshell, but there it is. Okay. Because I want to put a link to that in the show notes. And It's a tough episode. Yeah. It's a really tough episode. Like I haven't gone back and listened to it. Really? And you don't, don't edit your show so, show, so you didn't... Yeah, uh, I, well, I did that one, but um, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to know, I have a few questions if yeah. you don't mind. Sure. I you mean, it's kind of what I do here. Uh, yeah. 
I kind of feel like I just vomited all over your. No, I mean that's that's dude. It's it's amazing. And here's here's the thing: you are not the first person, and you won't be the last whose career is completely derailed by pornography, right? Yeah. Um, and but I'm what I'm curious about. What I want to know is what your experience of God in that season was like, because there's there are certain um, you know pornography fills certain needs, right? So. I'm wondering how you either found what your relationship to God was in relation to those needs. And then um, I guess we can see where we go from there. Okay. So God was not even on my radar. Um, I was so, uh, I felt so terrible. You know, I I don't know. um, I guess the best way I could say it is, you know, it just, wearing dirty clothes, right? Showing up to a wedding and and you're just wearing dirty clothes. Um, I just felt so growth every time I, and I was active in church, you know, during the, that year of, of restoration that it took about, it took about a year to get restored. I, I did end up getting restored in that church. Um, I did not get my job back. Um, but I did get restored to an elder level. So that's a, a whole nother like theological thing we could probably talk about too. But yeah, that's interesting. But that whole time I, I kept asking myself like, why do I want to come back here? Why, why do I, you know, why do I want to come back to that church? Because I felt like every time I walked in the door, this is my impression. This is not the impression the church gave me my impression, but I just felt like everyone was looking at me and everyone knew even though there was probably only realistically maybe about a dozen people that really knew why. Yeah. Um, they, they were really good about not telling people why um, when they made the announcement. This is the other part, Eric, that I probably need to share. So I submit my resignation on a Saturday night. By the way, Carolina played Louisville that night. I can tell you that for a fact because I remember watching that game and then going to get resigned, you know, submit my resignation. But and they won. Carolina won. But anyway, um, I go in that night to, to give them my key, church key. You know, I had a safe. We were running snacks uh, for our youth kids. So there was money, you know, in a safe that they needed to have access to. So I gave them that key as well. So this is a Saturday night. So the next day, of course, is Sunday. We, we know how the calendar and the, the week works. They asked me not to come to church that day. Wow. And if I had shown up, I was told I would be asked to leave. Yeah. That's important to remember because that in my mind, that one act did kind of set in motion my motions for not wanting to be there again, feeling yeah. rejection. I mean, the, the whole thing of, of my whole life, right. Of being rejected, not feeling good enough, not a, not a chance to say goodbye. So the next Sunday we go to church, my wife and I are walking into church together. I remember we were holding hand. I remember I grabbed her hand to hold it. Now she's still really mad. She's still probably having some trust issues, rightfully so. My daughter's with us. You know, she's a baby. And I remember this lady stopping us in the parking lot and saying, they had no right to fire you. You're an amazing man of God. Do they not realize what they're giving up? And I was like, you don't know the whole story. Thank you for your comment, but you don't know the whole story. Like there's more, they were right. You know, they were justified but I can't tell her any of that. Right. I can't. Cause I'm embarrassed. Like, what am I going to tell this old lady? Like, by the way, this is what I like to do for fun when I'm, you know, whatever. Like I can't tell her that. Yeah. So I always yeah. felt like in back to your question, I always felt like I never could get connected. Worship was hard. Worship's always been hard, but it was harder. 
uh, sermons were hard. The whole experience was hard. Like I really was asking God, like, where are you? Like, where are you right now? Like I would get mad. I remember going out on runs being so mad because I didn't feel like he was there. Like, where were you in that moment? Why didn't you stop me? Why didn't you, you know, make the internet go down? Why didn't you, whatever. And I I still, to this day, don't know. I don't know why, because it had been so long. Yeah. You know, it had been probably about five years at that point. Yeah. What's, uh, so how did that resolve, man? Like, how how did you eventually, and maybe, maybe I'm assuming you have, but how did you, particularly I'm interested in your relationship with God. Like how did that kind of, you know, get. Well, I got, I ended up going to a new church. Um, we left the church, you know, not with their blessing. There's some more story with that. Um, but we ended up leaving, going to this new church, new beginnings, kind of a weird name, but, but, but truly a new beginning for me, um, made some, mistakes when I met the pastor for the first time. I'm like, do you not know who I am? You should. Cause I'm like the Ron James of youth ministry. I mean, I was so arrogant even in those <laughs> days because I was, I was hiding, right. I was trying to hide my pain with arrogance, which is something I've struggled with, but, but how moving forward, I ended up getting rebaptized. Um, and I actually found the date recently because we're doing a new series with my stuff. But, um, so I got rebaptized on uh on april 15th 2012 and part of that rebaptizing is i realized once again that i needed to get clean that i needed to stop playing around that i needed to get serious that i needed to finally say once and for all god you are lord and i am not and you know john uh john the baptist says he must referring to Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. And, th- and that has been my struggle my whole life is like, I've wanted to be on the spotlight. I've been enamored with being called pastor. I've been enamored with being in charge and having the office and having the name on the door and all of this stuff. And I realized all of it was just rubbish as Solomon would call it. Yeah. You know, just vain, nothing. And to me, when I got rebaptized, it was that significant moment in my life to say, okay, like I'm really ready to begin again. And, you know, through that process, there was a lot of obviously series of events, but our church now that we're attending is a very much a disciple making church. Um, home groups are, are a key, you know, men's groups are, are powerful. And so from that standpoint, God really has come back into my life. Not that he ever left, but I've welcomed him back in. That's probably the best way to say it and really asked him to be the Lord and not me be the Lord. Yeah. And that takes a lot of humility, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't like that word. <laughs> but yes. I don't either. Take a lot of humility. I can, yeah. I can appreciate that, but Last you know, mission even I would add. Yeah, absolutely, man. That that's what I think is a big part of the journey submission to, to Christ and saying, okay, all of this, all of my life, um, is submitted to you. Hey, for what it's worth, Neil, I hear a lot of humility from you and I hear a lot of willingness to, um, put others first in your podcast. So, uh, I don't know if that's helpful or not, but I, I think that you absolutely embody that. 
Well, it is. And I think part of the reason why I love podcasting so much is, you know, one, obviously getting to meet great people like you and, and, and Sean and, and Meg and so many others and Marcus and so many of other of our friends, right. Is, is this idea that for me, pain is something that I feel all of us are walking in. It's how we're going to use it. And to me, if I'm going to sit in pain and I'm going to sit in this puddle and I'm just going to waller in and just be like, Oh, woe is me. There's, there, there comes a point in time where it's cool to do that. And then it's, there comes a point in time where you have to say, okay, now it's time to go. You know, it's time to get on our shoes, lace up our shoes and go. And that's the part that I had to get to even in myself is I had to finally admit to myself that, you know what, God sees me as who I am more than I see myself of who I am, if that makes sense, because he wants the best for me. And he says, you're my child. You are my beloved. And to me, when he says those things to me through scripture, through other people, through confirmation, whatever it may be through communion, through worship. Now to me, it it reminds me of that, that idea that I am so important to him that I don't need Mm. to, I don't need to get importance from anyone else. And that's, that has truly been something I've really had to lay down. So. Wow. Yeah. And that can be, that can be really tough. Like I I know as a, as a for myself, like acceptance is a big deal, right? So learning to accept God's acceptance is, is unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, Neil, thanks for sharing all that. I really have enjoyed hearing about your story. Your podcast is Other People's Shoes. We mentioned it a couple of times. People can go find it. Guys, you can go find it in your in your podcast app um, right where you are. Probably right now. Go do that. Uh, but how can people connect with you if they want to? So easiest way to connect with us is, I say us because Garrett is uh, along for the ride. He's just not here with us today. But uh Best way to connect with us is uh, we are on all three of the social medias, of course, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You, of course, can like us, follow us, uh, you know, there under uh, OPS Podcast Show under all three of those uh, social medias. And then, of course, if you really want to get really creative, we, of course, would love to, you know, interact with you through our um, voicemail and text line. That's 203 203- Five four eight seven four six three. By the way, that spells shoe at the end. In case you were wondering, two zero three five four eight seven four six three is our kind of uh, hotline, text line, voicemail line. So, either way, we would love to connect with people. So, that's fantastic, guys. You can you can do that for sure. Uh, Neil, thanks so much for being here. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the big thing I would just challenge people on is is we say so often, you know, remember when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. And I would just challenge somebody to just ask themselves this question. When's the last time you've really walked truly, truly in someone else's shoes? Because, you know, it's fun to say, it's fun to think about like, oh, yeah, trying on someone else's shoes. That seems weird at first. But after you do it and you kind of walk where they've walked and, and kind of felt where they've felt and kind of seen where they've seen and kind of touch where they've touched, I think to me, that is when real change can take place. So, Amen. Amen. Not only real change, but understanding and empathy, uh, which I think is a, a real theme of your show and so, so needed in an age when it's so divided right now. Um, sure. Podcasting, I think, is leading that charge. And so you're, you're on the tip of the spear. Thanks, Neil, for being here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime, Eric. Thank you. 